Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, welcome to Draft 412. We have a special guest here today. It's Stephen Thompson uh, from Fan Nation. He covers the Pitt Panthers. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Really fired up to to get down to West Virginia. You know, it starts to starting to feel like fall in Pittsburgh and backyard brawl coming back. I, I, this is the first time I've ever covered. I'll be going down to Morgantown for a game. So this weekend's going to be really exciting. Is this the first time in general? Have you ever been down there as, as a fan either or? No, so I went one time for a basketball game, um, but that was that was a long time. That was two years ago. Pitt wasn't very good. West Virginia was pretty good, and I didn't spend much time down there. Like we came, I got there maybe about an hour or two before tip off. I didn't get to see much of the town. I think this time we'll get to actually see Morgantown. Like I'll get down there a little bit early, get to see you know the crowds build up and everything like that. And this will definitely be a different environment. So I'm excited. I've been down there a couple times as a fan. Um... Uh, back in the Larry Fitzgerald days when both teams were about even. And um, I'll tell you what, it's a hopefully you don't wear pit stuff. It's a gauntlet walking <laughs> through. I mean, they literally make it hard hard for a pit fan to, to get into the stadium. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be interesting. I think you'll enjoy yourself down there. I, I wish I was going. Like I said, the the big C got me. The big COVID got me this <laughs> week. So, but let, let's start off. I mean, last week was a rough 27-21 loss to Cincy. I mean, we've we've all heard the stuff during the week. Um, I'm sure you've you've been hearing stuff at, at, during the week as well. What what was your what was your main concern uh, about the Pitt Panthers' performance? Was it the offensive line, the quarterback, or or the defense giving up as many rushing yards as they did during the game? Well, to me, it was the quarterback play. Um, I, you know, there are a lot of reasons why. Bill Jakovic wasn't great, but, uh, you know, uh, pressure that the offensive line allowed was one thing. Uh, the fact that the defense gave up so many points so quickly and they fell behind uh, and they kind of became one-dimensional, that's another thing as well. But, I mean, there were a lot of easy plays that I think Phil missed. I think he was a little inaccurate. Uh, he got some happy feet, poor decisions to escape pockets, and, and, and I think ultimately didn't find his biggest playmakers. I think – uh, I think of the fact that Gavin Bartholomew had, I think, just four targets, two catches. Uh, Kanate Mumfield had just four targets, and something I think we'll talk a little about later. That meanwhile, Bub Means gets eleven targets and doesn't catch any of them. I think at some point you got to change things up. You got to think differently. Um, you know, the offensive line, the defensive line. I think you know we're going to talk about that a little bit later too. I think there are uh, some reasons for optimism, and I think they will kind of start to figure things out with time. So I'm not as concerned uh, with them as I am with. Uh, what Phil was doing and yeah, it was just not an encouraging performance for, for him. You know, it was, it, it was a rough day. And then, you know, you fat, you factor in 
you know, those comments he made after the game about fans booing him. It's, you know, you wonder a little bit where his head's at and, and just what he's feeling because uh, it was a rough game and you just, he's not walking into an easy environment to walk, uh, to, to bounce back in. Like you said, it's a, it's a tough place down to play down there in Morgantown for anyone, uh, particularly a pit team. So we'll see what happens, but I, I, I kind of put, I, I think Dracovic has to own a lot of what happened last week in Cincinnati. Do you think that uh, Dracovic being a, a Pittsburgh uh, raised kid, do you think that the booing actually hurt him more than say, if he was getting booed his first game and he played it like Notre Dame? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, look, Keen Slovis got booed a lot last year um, and I don't think it hurt him in the same way or affected him in the same way. Uh, I think all off season we'd heard about, you know, this guy coming home, getting to play in front of his family his friends um, in a stadium that he's played in before. Like he, he played his high school championships there. Um, th- that must've been rough. Like I can't imagine what must've been going through his head. Um, so, you know, in that way I can understand those comments a little bit and, and understand why he was frustrated on top of a loss. He's got to take that from his hometown, uh, a place that he loves, but you know, you can say those things to, <laughs> to anyone besides, you know, a bunch of reporters sitting with cameras and microphones, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was, it, it was just, I understand the frustration. It was just, I think wrong place, wrong time. And um, the defensive line, um, they made some changes this week uh, in the, uh, in the depth chart. Do you think that's due to the, the running game of Cincinnati last week? Or do you think, do you think that was it basically Devin Danielson and, and David Carter? They feel, they feel safer with them too right now in the, on the defensive line than rotating with DeAndre Jules. And it, it's still going to be a rotation, right? It's just going to be – they just yeah. listed the – um, they basically just listed the uh, depth chart as a one-and-one one and one instead of a instead of a two-and-two two kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, two defensive tackle starters instead of four. Um, yeah, like you said, it's still going to be a rotation, but I think it's more of a signal to uh, – those guys behind them on the depth chart than anything. I mean, Green and Danielson are super reliable. Those are two six-year senior guys, and I think they are just looking for a little more discipline, um, maybe a little bit more size and power, which I think, uh, you know, Danielson and Green can both bring. But, uh, yeah, I think discipline is the biggest thing. They want some experience down there. Uh, when you're talking to, you know, like Randy Bates and, uh, this week, I think he was concerned more with the schematics and just – how the Panthers approach defending the run, not necessarily like, Oh, you know, our technique is bad. You know, we don't have talented enough guys. Like it, it was all about just getting guys in the right spot. Um, it was kind of the impression I got from him. So I think that's why they are kind of, you know, not taking Tyler Bentley or Deandre Jules completely out of the equation. Like you said, like Pitt's going to rotate defensive linemen as long as they have them. Um, and, and I think Jules and Bentley are pretty good players and, and they're valuable contributors, but they want to tighten things up. They want to make things a little, little tighter. But I think that's the the right word for it is tighter and just clean up some of those mistakes that were more mental mistakes and physical mistakes. Steven, to get back to something you sort of touched on already, uh, what Jerkovic said and, and how he played this year, this week, um, the pit message boards have been blowing up um, with comments and stuff. In your opinion, how long is Phil Jerkovic's um, leash before? They look at maybe bringing in a, a Vier, or do you think it has something to do with just? You think his leash is a little bit longer because of the Signetti uh, combination? 
Well, I think it's pretty long, but not for that reason. Um, the reason I think it's pretty long is, I mean, it's not going to be any shorter than I think Keaton Slovis is, quite honestly. And if Keaton Slovis didn't get benched at all last year, I mean, he he didn't play in uh, about a game and a half, but that was because he was dealing with a concussion. Um, I, I don't expect Jerkovic's leash to be any shorter. I mean, like I said, if Slovis didn't get benched, especially I think considering the added, added context of what you saw Nick Patty do in the Sun Bowl, uh, I, I don't think Djokovic's in any realistic danger of getting benched. I think something really disastrous would have would have to happen. Um, the, the gulf between Slovis and Patty was much smaller than the one I think between Djokovic and Bayer. Um, you know, like I said, Djokovic hasn't played well, but I think Pitt believes they can still win with him. I think th- they believe that he's still their best option. Um, I, I think Bayer maybe sells a little ways to go, and just you know. Recent history tells me that Pat Narduzzi isn't one to pull the trigger on something like that very quickly. You know, um, I agree. it's it's not something he'll do unless he has to. And I, I think when you think about Slovis in particular, like he won't he won't turn on a quarterback unless that quarterback kind of turns on him. I guess it it was really interesting to because Slovis transferred or announced his intent to transfer before the bowl game. So mm-hmm. you know we were talking to him to Narduzzi prior to that bowl game, and he was already saying. Yeah, Nick Patty, you know, brings it. We're looking for some leadership at the quarterback position. We think Nick Patty brings that. And it's, it was just telling. I mean, he, he continued that all the way through spring ball and, and training camp that Dracovic and Patty maybe had some leadership qualities that Slovis didn't. It's just, you know, he wasn't, re- he defended Slovis relentlessly uh, up through the end of the regular season. And then once Slovis decided to transfer, it was, well, we were missing this big thing and Nick Patty can bring it to us. So, it was just interesting to see that see that play out in real time. And something you touched on earlier, and I want to get your your uh, opinion on this. We were, we were both in in the press box, and we both saw some drops. Some some defenders made some plays on it, but overall, Bob Means had eleven targets, no catches. Was most of that on him? You think even the ones that maybe weren't perfectly thrown that he didn't really, as a number one receiver, didn't really make the quite make the effort that you usually should should make the effort to make a catch like that. Yeah, I, I think there were some balls that Bub definitely could have caught, especially if like you like you kind of alluded to, like if he is the number one deep ball threat that we kind of think he is and that we were told he was, uh there are some balls that he should have caught. But quite honestly, I put more of it on Dracovic. I thought just about every ball besides I think maybe the first one. Uh, on the first possession that went down the sideline to Bub Means was, you know, every throw besides that to him was underthrown. Uh, just not, you know, giving him a real chance to make a play on the ball. Um, but I also think Frank Signetti is a little bit to blame for that too. Um, like you see a guy who's struggling to get the ball in the deep ball. Like that was the only route he ran. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't able to get him the ball and with a slant or a screen or something like that, just to, you know, get the ball in his hands. Just let him touch it. Like get a hand on that thing. I apologize. I there's like a cop car, I think going outside my house, but, um, uh, my house at first. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's, that's South <laughs> side for you. Um, oh, that's all right, but, uh, yeah, I think Frank Signetti could have helped like why Bub was really only just running deep routes. Like why there was no other way you could have gotten this, you know, really fast guy, the ball in space and, let him run with it and make some plays that way. And, and and if nothing else, giving him a chance to get his hands on the ball, at least does something for his confidence, does something with the connect for the connection between him and Jerkovic. I don't, I didn't understand why that wasn't an option um, and why 
it was just let's chuck it deep to to Bob down there somewhere. Has Bob made any comments like into the media this week at all about the performance, or have they? Has he not said anything, or I mean, has anything come out about how? I like to. I mean, he's, he seems like a very confident kid. I mean, from the interviews I've seen with him, very confident in the way he plays. I was just wondering if um, anything was said about how he's how he's reacting, and is is there something between him and Jerkovic? I mean, is it you know? What I mean, is it he's blaming him, or there's no blame going on that you heard of? It's just a bad game kind of thing. No, I think it was just a bad game, and I mean, I think Bub's not really a stranger to this. I think you know, last year didn't exactly go how Bub wanted it to either so uh, we didn't get to talk to bub this week but we did talk to you know kanate mumfield and uh mj devonshire who you know always goes against that's kind of best corner on best receiver a little bit so they would always go against each other in practice but they both said that bub stays level he stays even uh he has a lot of energy and like you said he's confident he's positive he does not let a bad game uh get him down so no, I don't think there's any, you know, kind of blame or negativity or, or kind of sulking going around with, especially with Bob. That's a guy with, in my opinion, too much energy to let uh, and too much positive positivity in him to kind of let something like that get to him. Um, you know, it's tough. Like that is a an unbelievable stat line is, you know, eleven targets, zero catches, and I don't know if I've ever you know seen I remember that. talking. Yeah, it, that's that's crazy and. You know, I was talking to Chris Peak, uh, who runs the the Pit Rival site, um, and he was he was telling me that I think it was Pro Football Focus he got this data from, but just most of, if not all, of Bub's targets were of twenty yards downfield or more. Um, so it's just, I feel like they're kind of making him into a one trick pony when he can do some other things. So I'd have to imagine that through this week they're kind of working with him, saying, okay, we can we can do some different things with you. Here's what we'll, we'll try to, how we'll try to get you a little bit more involved. So, you know, but like I said, Bub's not one to get down on himself or kind of let things, let a bad game affect him. Even one that's kind of so outlandishly bad uh, as the last one was. Now, from what I can see from the, the times I was around when we interviewed him, he, um he has a ton of energy, ton of positivity. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't, I don't think there's a, a more confident kid on that team than Bob means. So yeah. mentally he should be able to bounce back. Let's just hope that, you know, he can. So that, that will help out the Panthers receiving core a ton. Um, though we lost, who were you most impressed by in the game? I know we already talked negatively about Dracovic and, uh, and means a little bit. Who were you most impressed with during the game for Pitt? Well, I mean, this one's a little obvious because he caught two touchdowns, but Donna, uh, but Kanate Mumfield, um, I've been beating this drum, I think, since even before training camp. I think at, at the end of last season, I thought this guy was Pitt's best receiver. Um, and I think he added some weight in the offseason that helped him be able to go and get some of those jump balls that you saw him catch on those two touchdowns. I think he's a really clean route runner. He's got some speed. Uh, and then that size helped him use that speed a little bit more um like he can kind of stay on his feet a little bit better and make some runs after the catches so i'm a big kanate mumfield guy he played really well um i think donovan mcmillan is a guy on the defensive side of the ball at safety who is playing his way into a lot more snaps um i think especially this week uh, you know we were talking a little bit about what pat narduzzi said today and he he's looking for more physicality and boy donovan mcmillan can bring that that guy can hit um and so i think as he kind of gets to know the playbook a little bit more, I think that's one of the things that held him back at, at safety and held him back from being a starter is that he's a new guy. 
Um, he still had, uh, there was kind of a learning curve with the playbook. So I think once he picks that up and gets more settled uh, in with what he's just has to do schematically, you're going to start to see more of him. So you saw a lot of him in the second half. I would expect to see even more of him uh, in the West Virginia game. I agree with you. Um, I have this little thing with, I, I like Donovan McMillan. He was like my first, uh, he was my first interview I ever did back when I was, um, working for some do some high school uh, coverage. He was playing for mm-hmm. Peter's Township, so I got to meet him. Yeah. A lot smaller than he is now, but um, I did notice him too in the second half. And and you're right, he don't he makes his he makes his presence known. He's a he's a hard hitter. He yeah. don't you know he I, I thought he played well in the second half, and I think you hit Mumford right on the on the head too with that. Um, the backyard brawl on paper, Pitt Pitt's a way better team than West Virginia. I know they're only a one point favorite, and I understand why. Um, it's down uh, that, that line has shifted. I, I looked at it today. Okay. There, there's some places that have West Virginia favored by three. Oh, wow. It's, I yeah. saw, I yeah. saw it earlier today when I came up with these questions, it was a uh, pit, pit was uh favored by one. So that's, that's like, that's crazy. But I mean, I, I get it. I get the reasoning. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a rival game. It's at West Virginia. What matchup, what concerns, what concerns you the most about this matchup? Is there something that West Virginia can do on offense? or on defense that um, concerns you? Yeah, I think so. You were out, you, I think Pitt's on paper the better team. I think they're more talented. They're just in a better situation as a program. But I think even before the Cincinnati loss, I was looking at this game as a bad matchup for Pitt um, because West Virginia's offensive line and their running backs are really, really good. Um, there's tons of experience along the offensive line and they're big, they're nasty. And then they're blocking for a running back in CJ Donaldson, who is just kind of a bulldozer. And they kind of ran over Pitt last year um, in that season opener uh, at Axtra stadium here in Pittsburgh. Um, And, you know, I think Pitt's defensive line will get better with time. uh, But right now, like how soon will that happen? You know, like they have to make a pretty dramatic turnaround pretty quickly because this is a team that can, run with the best of them. Um, you think about that West Virginia game, or excuse me, that Penn State game, they were able to move the ball a little bit uh, on the ground on Penn State, who's a really good, a really, really good defense. So, yeah, that's what I think concerns me the most, and I think especially coming off of what happened at, at Cincinnati or against Cincinnati, that's definitely what I'm looking for is just how does Pitt stand up against the run because this is this is an offensive line and a running back as good uh, as good a, a – not a tandem, but I guess a team, you know, kind of a unit that kind of, uh, you know, rushing unit for, for West Virginia is as good as, as probably anyone in the country. I agree with you on the offensive line. We actually, that's all we do at draft four, one, two is do profiles of uh, draft eligible guys and their center, Zach Frazier might be, yeah. if he's not the first center in the country, he's in the top two or three centers coming out in this draft. Yeah. And um, so that's up, up, up the middle. We're going to see what, you know, what, what Pitt can do with their defensive line. I, I agree with you on that. And Donaldson is a beast. Um, yeah. I think if Pitt could stop the run, I think it's it's a foregone conclusion because I don't think West Virginia oh, does yeah. much through the air. So uh, I agree there. Here's another hot topic. And this is one that I, I've actually brought up. Um, and it, and mentally, I think about this all the time. So I think I think this kid is really good. And it's Rodney Hammond. Um, he doesn't ever get a workload like – you know, he's never going to get 15, 16 carries a game, it seems like. But when he gets the ball, it seems like he's getting four or five yards a pop. He's hard to bring down. Um, in your opinion, how do you feel about – and we 
the coaches have talked to us about this. How do you feel about the pregame where they, they say they already have a rotation in hand and you know they're gonna they're gonna bring in running backs in certain on certain drives or certain situations? Do you like that? I mean, personally, do you like that? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm no football coach. I'm not watching practice every week, uh, and I don't know how exactly their personnel groupings shake out. But Rodney Hammond is the top tailback on the depth chart for a reason. I think he's the most talented one. Um, this is a guy who, in a program where it's really hard for true freshmen to play and contribute, he was a massive contributor to that ACC championship squad in 2021. Um, he's got power. He's got some speed. Uh, he's got good balance, good vision, I think, too. And I really think he does deserve more touches. I don't think it helps anyone to have this running back by committee, but it's committee with three guys, basically. And I think in, against Cincinnati, everyone – uh, each of the top three running backs split basically the the snaps like into thirds. Um, I think Hammond maybe had 23, and then Daniel Carter had 21, and Sebo Flemister had 21 too. So I, I don't think that's particularly effective, especially when you're running with a guy like Hammond, who is one of those guys who just gets stronger the more he runs. Like he wears down a defense. Um, so I'm, you know, I asked Pat Narduzzi about it today, and he, he seemed. And we asked Frank Signetti about it earlier in the week. Like, they want to get him in the ball more. Um, you know, they said that along with, you know, I want to get all the running backs touches more. But Hammond is a guy that, like, I, I think it's time to tighten that running back rotation up. And I think it's time to, I don't know, focus in on one guy. Like, one guy carry it. And if you don't think, it, it, like, you know, if you run Hammond out there a bunch of times and it doesn't work, which I would be really shocked if that happens, then you can bring in Daniel Carter. Then you can bring in Sebo Flemister. But and there's still roles for those guys like Carter, Daniel Carter as his fullback role and Sebo Flemister is maybe the, the best pass catcher out of the backfield out of mm -hmm. those guys. Like there are fits for them, but Hammond is your do it all guy. I think he's a three down back. Like just give him the ball, man. Like this is not that complicated. <laughs> I, I think it also will help if, if it doesn't, you know, go down by 10 to That's start true. the, you know, after their first two drives, you know, that, that really hinders what you can do on offense and, so I think Pat, you know, Pat Narduzzi talked about that today. Starting fast will also kind of help you get Hammond and the rest of the running game more in the flow of the game and, and just allow you that space to, to run the ball more. I agree with you. Like, I, I don't remember Hammond ever getting back-to-back -back carries and not, not having a positive game. I mean, he has, you know, get normal who get, might get hit, but he never stops running. I mean, he, yeah. he's tough to bring down. Um, even from his freshman year coming here, his freshman year he did it. I mean, came in and yeah. scored some big touchdowns and, I just, he's just he was the guy who guys. always yeah, he would always he would always finish games you know like that oh, was yeah. when they had a big lead in the fourth quarter or even a he'd tight pop, lead he'd pop 100 in the fourth quarter like he'd be like oh my gosh that guy has 100 yards now and he'd yeah. do it like you said in the fourth quarter and he um I just I don't know I don't I don't I don't get it I mean I know last year he got hurt and then Abana Kanda got uh he got like uh workhorse carries he he was the the, the main back and got the carries so yeah. I don't know if what it takes for a guy to get the the carries like that if it's going to take an injury which i don't want to see anybody get hurt but i do think hammond should get at least i think he should touch the ball at least 12 to 15 times easily in a game yeah. you know getting handoffs he's not the greatest out of the backfield and like and i liked your what you said about the three running backs they each going to have their own positive thing because i know hammond dropped the pass in his even in the first game against um yeah. wofford uh, but yeah that's something he needs to work on, but I think he's I think he's good, and that that'll be a good segue because 
draft 412 what we do is we just we're all about the draft so we got the pit panthers we got um you know the pirates go to draft we got the pirates the steelers the penguins what in your opinion who is the players that you think have the most could have the most success in the nfl off of this team and why do you think them um i think the first one that comes to mind and this is probably the most obvious but that's mj devonshire um i think he's got size he's got speed he's got coverage skills he's got experience both a safety and a corner uh when i went to the nfl combine last year and we were talking to the bunch of pit guys who who were there one of the questions that they kept getting asked was who from your team last year is going to be here next? Like who, who's the next guy up? And they all said MJ Devonshire. Um, that was, that was pretty clear. Um, that was pretty obvious. And he might just be the best player on the team. Like, you know, like uh, of anyone at their respective position, he just might be the most talented. So that's the first one that comes to mind. I think Shane Simon is a sleeper too at linebacker. Um, he's just, he's big and he's got speed and coverage skills. So and he's also really smart as well. That's something that coaches and players all like rave about is his work ethic and his, his football IQ. So I think Simon's one to watch too. Devonshire is probably the most obvious, but I, I would put those two guys right at the top of the list. One that I am interested in, and we've done, we've done some previews on him. There's two guys actually, uh, Gonsalves, who um, mm. last game I was watching him closely and he, he was the one that got beat on the, uh, on the play where, Jerkovic, they got the personal foul for hitting Jerkovic. I don't know if he, it was like mm-hmm. in the first half they got the penalty, but he beat, they beat him clean off the edge. I was a little disappointed in how he played last week. And the other guy that I really, I know he's he's not the best blocker in the role, but and I know he don't get the ball enough, but I think Gavin Bartholomew, um, with his height and his athleticism, I, I like I like his chances of. You know, I'm not talking about. I think Devonshire has a chance to go the highest in the draft out of these guys. But I think that like uh, a guy like um, Bartholomew, like in the fourth or fifth round, even would be a could be a still a tight end for a team. But there is a lot of guys. I mean, there's um, and, and like I said, um, one of the reasons I, I asked about Rodney Hammond is I like to see Hammond get more because I think he has, you know, he's smaller. Um, we just did a thing on him. He sort of has like a Frank Gore kind of, you know, small and hard to bring down and just you know, yeah, gets like five six yards a pop. So. They're one and one now, the Panthers. Um, and you already, I know you've, I know Chris went around asking us all our predictions. And I, I know yeah. a lot of us said eight or nine. I think a couple of guys said 10. Now that they, they have this loss of Cincy, I don't know if you already predicted a Cincy loss in there, but what, what do you have their record going? What do you, what do you think right now with a one on one start? So I think after a one and one start, you're looking, at more like eight wins, you know, Um, especially because through these first two weeks, the ACC looks a lot stronger than it did, particularly Pitt's part of the schedule has looked a lot stronger than it did at the beginning of the year. Um, I was one of those people that I did like, you know, three bold predictions at the beginning of the year and I predicted 10 wins. I kind of shot my shot there. That does not seem likely anymore. Um, I think if they were going to get there, uh, you needed to win the Cincinnati game and that West Virginia game. I could have imagined them, losing one of those two games, you know, dropping one of those. I don't think they will lose two in a row. I, I don't think that'll happen. Um, but, yeah, I think you're looking at more like eight wins. There's a lot of unknowns still kind of like on pit and then, you know, their schedule, the rest of their schedule. Notre Dame and FSU, those are likely losses. I'd be willing to bet just about any amount of money on that. Um, but UNC and Duke look like probable losses right now. And everything else is winnable, and you probably should win. Uh, most of their toughest games are at home. 
uh, like North Carolina and FSU are at home, but Louisville's at home as well. I think they get Syracuse at home because they played. No, they get Syracuse on the road this year, but there's somewhat, there are other, you know, most of them, Virginia Tech is on the road. Like that's not a super difficult one, but you know, everything else is winnable. And I think one thing that's been consistently true about Pat and Arduzzi teams is that they get better as the year goes on. Like they don't pull some kind of crazy upset in the non-conference slate and then, you know, completely fall flat over the course of the year. I think you think about last year, uh, you think about the 2018 ACC Coastal Championship team that went maybe just two and two in the non-conference, but got bludgeoned by Penn State uh, in the opener and or no, that wasn't the opener. That was the second game of the year. But then they rattle off, you know, a six and two conference record and go to the ACC championship game. Like there's a lot of examples of that where, you know, we we emerge from the non-conference schedule and we're looking at Pitt like, oh my God, like this is going to be a long season. Like they look so overmatched in the uh, in the first half of the season or even last year, like all the way through October. And then all of a sudden they just find some different gear and they're, you know, back to eight and four and they're, you know, a good bowl team. And, and so I'm going to bank on recent history, quite honestly. Uh, I think that's, you know, going back to like the, the defensive line and the offensive line and, and a lot of other things, like you're counting on time, I think healing all wounds and, you know, Pat Narduzzi has one more, has won eight games more often than he's, than he's not. So I'm willing to, I think eight games is kind of, the line you're looking at right now with maybe some readjusted expectations after that Cincinnati loss, but still a pretty solid year. Um, in all honesty, they might flip an upset uh, against Florida state or Notre Dame and then turn around and lose to Virginia tech or something like that. Like that, that's completely like that could happen as well. But I think, you know, I, I couldn't tell you exactly what those losses might be, but I think it ends up being four losses, eight wins and a, Pretty typical Pat Narduzzi season. So if they if they do lose to West Virginia, there's a chance they could start one and three though, right? I mean, if, if this is it's a pretty oh, yeah. big game in that respect. So, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, and I so I just recorded a video that's going to go out uh, Friday morning. Um, like you, this like the backyard brawl has its own kind of gravity to it, and your own its own motive. You have your own motivation for wanting to win that game. It doesn't really need to be explained, but you look ahead of the schedule and you got to welcome North Carolina for your ACC opener at home. You do not want it. I don't think you want to be coming off of a really deflating backyard brawl win on top of what happened against Cincinnati. Like I completely agree. This is absolutely crucial. Like it's hard to call it a must win at this point in the season, but if you want to kind of maintain the level that Pitt has been at, for the past couple of years, you can't lose this game. You, you absolutely you're, should. Because like you said, I think they're the more talented team and mm-hmm. and all of that. So Because you'd be looking at one and three, and then them two tough games that you talked about with Florida State and Notre Dame in the middle of the, uh, of the uh, schedule. Then you still got like a team like Duke. I wouldn't sleep on Duke. So Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, you gave them hell last year at home. Yeah, you, was... you, you are right. This, this schedule got a lot tougher. I mean, the ACC in general – uh, from the national standpoint, doesn't look as tough, except for like Florida State and you know North Carolina, Duke. They're they're all right teams, but in the pits schedule wise, it looks a lot tougher. But I know like Clemson ain't on our schedule this year. They they sort of took a shot, a step back at least for now with the uh, way they performed in the first week. But 
But Stephen, thank you. I enjoy this uh, very good. I get to see Stephen all the time down at uh, Acroshore. Actually, Acroshore and down at uh, Southside. So uh, thank you mm -hmm. for your time, Stephen. Explain to people how they can get a hold of you on Twitter or, or uh, Facebook or whatever. Yeah, I'm at uh, at Stephen E. Tom on Twitter. Um, you can find my writing at InsideThePanthers.com. Um, you can also listen to what uh, I have to say on YouTube. Uh, that's at Inside the Panthers on YouTube. So you can subscribe to us there. That's that's really where all my content goes. So you can find me there. All right, hey Stephen, thank you so much for your time. I hope to talk to you again. Appreciate it.